Welcome to this episode of the Pop Trash Podcast. I'm Mike Jones. And I'm Eric Griggs. We're your hosts on this pop culture journey together, digging into camp, cult, and classic moments across history for discussion. Thanks for tuning in to listen. In our first season, we're exploring pop culture Christmas moments, and we're calling it We Wish You a Campy Christmas. In today's show, we're going to discuss an adorable little river otter and his brassy mom, as this Christmas, they discover that what we all need is a little more love and togetherness and some down-home jug band music. So take the frown off your face. We're going to replace it with a grin and a dream come true as we discuss the 1970s special Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Let's begin. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is a 1977 TV special whose source material is a children's book written by Russell and Lillian Hoban. It's directed by Jim Henson and stars a cast of new Muppet characters outside of guest appearances by Kermit the Frog. It first aired on Canadian television and then a year later in 1978 on HBO. I remember it fondly watching this as a child when it was on HBO. But then again, anything Muppety, I was completely obsessed with. Do you remember watching Emmett Otter when you were younger? When I was younger, when I was maybe 20, yes, but not (laughs) when I was a child. It totally escaped my childhood, which I think is possibly because we didn't have HBO. And Mm -hmm. so if you didn't have HBO in the 80s, I feel like this didn't permeate up to broadcast television. It also might not have made the video rental markets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so even though I desperately ran to the local blockbuster or the local grocery store, because it was the 80s, you could rent videos in a grocery store. (laughs) uh, I never saw a VHS tape of this. And so it actually wasn't until about 1997, 1998, when I was surfing through cable television channels and remember pausing on this. And I wasn't exactly sure what to think of it. And then you keep watching it and you recognize some of the voices because they all sort of sound like Muppets. And you get this really wholesome story in a really well done Christmas special that has such a heartwarming, if not a little depressing, punch to it. And I think what you've described, where Emmett Otter's Drug Band Christmas appeared or didn't appear on cable or home video releases, it's had a checkered trajectory because of the rights. It is a Henson production, but there are parts of it that Kermit appears in, but the Muppets are now owned by Disney. So those pieces were taken out in subsequent home video releases. I'm sure that affected whether it could air on broadcast television. Totally. And if you think those things are going against Emmett Otter, just wait until you watch the special and find out that the economic systems of our world, crushing depression, death in a family, (laughs) sense of fear that you're going to be bullied. (laughs) I could go on, but there's a million anxieties that crush Emmett and his beloved mother, Alice, in this special. Definitely. The tone is very interesting. It has that Jim Henson quality that is sweet, but not saccharine. All of those good and bad things are mixed into the special, which just, I think, gives it the heart. Yeah, I really agree with that. And maybe that's actually a perfect segue to just give a quick synopsis of the plot so that folks have a sense of what 
you're getting when you watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Emmett Otter and his ma, Alice Otter. They live in Frogtown Hollow, and life has not been particularly kind to them. They've lost Emmett's father, Ma's husband, uh, Pa, (laughs) (laughs) and they're struggling economically. They have to do odd jobs around the village just to make enough money to survive on basically scraps. And it's approaching Christmas, and they each want to do something nice for each other, but they just don't have the money to do so. Lo and behold, a talent contest in the village emerges where a number of acts compete for the $50 and a chance to make this Christmas particularly special. I take away the moral, life is hard. It's going to knock you down with a bunch of different things, but your friends, family, and also an undying commitment to faith and hope and love is going to get you through even the hardest moments. And man, there are some hard moments. Seriously, this special could be called the otters of wrath because it is so (laughs) depressing in many parts. Um, But in the midst of that depression, there is this sense of just joy and hopefulness and warmth that really is a standout of Christmas special. And I can't help but take away that Jim Henson was trying to send a message here which is basically how you look at the world. It is going to determine whether life succeeds at knocking you down or you succeed in standing up and figuring out a way to survive. It made me very happy to watch this again because I don't think when I saw it in the 90s that I fully connected with how warm and good it is. And now I feel like you connect with this in a different way as an adult as you might have as a kid or a teenager. God, I miss Jim Henson so much. I think that... He knew that the world is bigger than us. It doesn't revolve around you. But at the same time, the individual story matters. It's important. Many people might see the religiousness in it. Even one of the songs feels like an amazing grace, right? His work deeply impacted my life. It makes me want to talk a little bit about the side characters or the broader cast of characters who are part of this special. Uh, I don't know if you have any particular favorites, but I'm going to give two. And the first one I'm going to call out is Mrs. Fox. So (laughs) Emmett and his mom are taking a boat down the river, singing a hilarious song (laughs) about their fat grandma otter. and a bathing suit she wore, and that after she passed away, they were able to take that bathing suit and turn it into curtains and tablecloths (laughs) and handkerchiefs and God only knows what else, a circus tent, um, which is hilarious. There's such a funny set of lyrics in that song. When the sun was a scorcher, Grandma Otter was their shade. (laughs) As they're, they're singing that song, they're going to Mrs. Fox's house where Ma Otter, Alice Otter, is going to drop off laundry that she did uh, for Mrs. Fox. And she gets there and Mrs. Fox is just a nasty. You can say it. I think <laughs> I'm not going to say it because this is a kid's special, <laughs> but let's say she's a Karen. <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if she was Karen Fox. Ma Otter gives the laundry over to Mrs. Fox. Well, 
time you got here. Same time we always get here. Yes, you're late every week. And last week, when I opened the laundry parcel, there was a scorch mark on one of the sheets. Oh, uh, well, maybe I can knock off a little bit on the price. I, uh, uh... You certainly shall. Remind me of that when I pay you next week. Well, I got the bill right here. here, And since it's three days till Christmas, I'd really appreciate it if... Ta! I just thought Mrs. Fox was a brilliant representation of just the nasty adults that you're going to meet in this world, right? Mm -hmm. The people who get impatient in checkout lines, the people who swerve in front of you to steal your parking space, the people who potentially ruin your day. Mm -hmm. And Emmett and Ma do a great job of not letting Mrs. Fox ruin their day, ruin their lives. Yes, they could become bitter otters who just hate this fox. And instead, they just let it roll off their shoulders and are like, you know what? Mrs. Fox sucks, but we're going to just go on with our lives. And mm -hmm. I really thought that was kind of cool. And then the other character. So there's a band of misfits, let's just mm -hmm. say, that create trouble. But there's a scene early in the special where they go to a music store that is run by the most gentle ferret <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't have a name. This band of bad kids from the wrong side of the track just destroy her music store, play her instruments, knock everything over, spill over the drums, and they roll out into the road. And she's having a mini freak out. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And I couldn't stop laughing at the facial expressions of this ferret or possum or whatever character she is and it just brought me so much joy so much of this is the magic of puppetry and to get real nerdy a bit there's a variety of puppetry going on here from traditional hand puppets that we're all familiar with to string marionettes in some shots when you see them walking to chroma key with the performer in front of black velvet and some of the first instances of radio controlled devices called waldos that were developed to have the characters row a boat while they're singing down the river all of these done on elaborate and detailed raised sets a technical achievement looking back. And it was Jim Henson testing how puppets could interact with a real world environment. It is a direct line to the Muppet movie just a couple years later. Oh, for sure. So my understanding is that Jim Henson knew he wanted to make that feature length Muppet movie. And in some ways did this special as a test run. And you're right. What these puppets do in this special is really incredible. There's puppets that figure skate puppets that wash clothes, there's puppets that fish, there's puppets that walk down streets that don't look like they have strings attached to them, puppets that play guitar, puppets that play a wash basin. <laughs> <laughs> it's really incredible how they get these puppets to look so lifelike, and it allows you to enter into this world that's inhabited by a bunch of river animals, and it's really cool. I also want to talk just a bit about the music several new songs, as you know, written by Paul Williams. He appeared as a guest star on a 1976 episode of The Muppet Show, one of the very early episodes. As far as I know, this is the first time he would write music for The Muppets. But based on the magic that happened, Henson did hire him later to write songs for The Muppet Movie just a few years after Emmett. And of course, Paul wrote one of the 
most beloved tunes in the Great American Songbook, The Rainbow Connection. And if you don't remember Paul Williams by name, if you were around in the 70s, you probably would remember his face. He kind of looks like you'd imagine Cousin Oliver from The Brady Bunch, but all grown up. <laughs> and he was everywhere. He appeared on late night talk shows, partying at Studio 54, movie cameos popping up in blockbuster smashes like Smokey and the Bandit. And boy, did he crank out some hits. The Carpenters, We've Only Just Begun, Rainy Days and Mondays. He wrote Helen Reddy's You and Me Against the World, Three Dog Nights, just an old-fashioned love song. He won a Grammy and an Oscar for writing the lyrics to Barbara Streisand's Evergreen, not to mention penning the lyrics to the Love Boat theme. <laughs> <laughs> and newer audience might recognize his voice as the Penguin in Batman, the animated series. But this guy's fingerprints are all over pop culture of the 70s. And, and I love that his voice really matched up with Jim Henson's vision. I'm so glad you mentioned the Carpenters and Helen Reddy because while I was watching Emmett Otter and listening to these songs, I kept thinking, gosh, this sounds like Carpenter's music or Helen mm. Reddy music, Jennifer Warren's music. It just has this late 70s vibes to it that are really time and place. You could show this to anyone and they would be like, oh, I bet this was created in the 1970s. It mm. really does like live in that sort of sound and vibe. As I was listening to it, all these beloved acts that I love from the 70s kept coming to mind. Mm. And to know that there's a connection in the songwriting is really, really fun. One thing I wanted to ask you was, do you know who the voice of Ma Otter is? I know that Frank Oz performed the puppetry, but the singing voice and the acting voice was Marilyn Sokol. Yes. I'm not sure who she really is in the wider range of pop culture. Marilyn Sokol is a singer, actress from the late 70s, early 80s, who actually starred in, I think, one of your favorite movies and a lot of people's camp collection from this era, the Village People movie, Can't Stop the Music. She plays Lulu Brecht. <laughs> no way. Okay. Yes, she's Lulu Brecht. Uh, and that movie's hilarious. It was directed, I think, by Nancy oh, Walker, right? Yes, it's, it's brilliant. And so she was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Supporting <laughs> Actress. That is not fair because that movie is a camp classic. But it's so funny to me that she she did that because you wouldn't actually draw that connection because you don't see her, mm -hmm. right? She's just the voice right. of a puppet. But hearing that voice, I was like, wow, where else do I know this voice from? Um, and she's been around for years and mm -hmm. years doing a bunch of bit stuff on, not bit stuff, but, you know, cameos mm -hmm. on TV, Law and Order. I think she was on Sesame Street, Barney Miller. She's been around for, for a bit. This special is not going to leave kids with the sense of satisfaction that comes with a superhero or a Ninja Turtle beating up a villain. Mm -hmm. But hopefully it leaves people with a sense of wonder and stillness and hope and love that despite all the struggles one will face in life, there's still stuff that connects us at the end of the day. I do, however, think that if you show this special to anyone born after 1990, they are going to look at you like you have three otters growing out of your shoulders <laughs> because it is something that I think is uniquely appreciated by a generation of people born between like 1965 and 1985. <laughs> Gen X, whatever, late millennials, early millennials or elder millennials, geriatric millennials, that's what we call them. <laughs> I could be wrong on that, but 
having known a couple folks who are, let's say like under 30 who've watched this mm-hmm. or under 35 who've watched this, they don't get it. And maybe that's not a good generalization to make, but I do think a lot of folks who grew up on specials that became popular in the 90s or early 2000s just have a very different experience of animation and puppetry and cartoons and storytelling in Mm -hmm. kids' productions Mm -hmm. than what this gives you. And the other thing is, I think if you look around at Christmas specials now, contemporary things that are being made, they are dripping with irony that that's the only way to appreciate things. Oh, this is so corny. Oh, this sucks. And the irony kind of detaches you from being together or community. It puts up a guard and a wall and we've all just gotten used to it. I really agree with that. And it makes me wonder if people who view this now after basically living through 10 to 12 years of frenetic division in our politics Mm. and in our media, if they appreciate the flashback to a time where maybe, I don't want to say we were less divided, but maybe to a time where you could have a story that was universally appealing about gentleness and love and togetherness and family and community in a way that I think may not resonate today because we are so fractured This feels like a relic to a time when maybe we were slightly less cynical. I still think, though, that it is well worth anyone watching this because it does have such a wholesome goodness and lots of life lessons. There's a scene where randomly Emmett and his mother decide to to celebrate sort of the river freezing over and to go and use a slide that goes from their house down to the (laughs) river that their father built. And it's just like a normal playground slide almost on the side Mm -hmm. of a hill that lets you slide right into the river and they slide down it and it's a fun little thing. Emmett slides down and loves it and the Ma slides down and Emmett goes, wow, wasn't that great? And the Ma goes, it's good enough. But it really did like kind of hit me that not everything has to be great. Things can be enjoyable because they're just inherently good enough to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have everything be this Instagram moment or Mm -hmm. this once in a lifetime thing. There are simple pleasures that come from just sliding down a slide. Mm -hmm. They make it out just to be like, this is a little sense of joy in our lives and it's good and it's just good enough. In rewatching this, part of me was thinking, why doesn't this air more often? Mm -hmm. It is so joyful. Not a lot of people had HBO back Mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s. And so there wasn't a wide audience for this to become part of the zeitgeist in the same way that Rudolph and Frosty, which benefited from airing on CBS or NBC or ABC, Mm -hmm. I believe mostly CBS though, which... Back then, there were largely only three networks Mm -hmm. that were available in countless households around the country. And so chances are, you know, a household was watching Rudolph if it was on. A household was watching Frosty if it was on. A household was watching Twas the Night Before Christmas if it was on because those aired on broadcast television. I do think if this had aired on one of the big three, it might be a bigger phenomenon today. One thing I'm going to be interested in seeing is, and I don't know if you know this, there's an off-Broadway production of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas that is launching in New York City the week of December 10th and runs, I think, through the end of the year. And it's kind of the first time that I've seen any sort of like live staging of this. I'll be super curious to see how this production does, and maybe it will 
rebirth, a renaissance, an otter-sance uh, <laughs> of love and affection for this special. I really do think that if you feel any sort of anxiety around the holidays or just in general, watching this will give you 48 to 53 minutes of bliss and calmness and will probably make you feel a little bit relaxed about the rest of your day. So highly recommend watching it. We better head for Waterville. I'd like to be there early for the contest. Roy, I know we're going to win. I just know it. Well, we wish all of our listeners a very happy holiday filled with no holes in your wash tubs, good times sliding down the hillside to the frozen river, and heartfelt jug band songs. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tune into our final episode of this short season where we make some pop culture predictions for the new year. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye.